Hey, welcome to this episode. Uh, in this episode, I wanted to do something different. I've read this book several times, and I figured I share. Uh, I figured I'd share a couple of paragraphs from it. I think they're applicable to a lot of areas in our life. And while this book is a, a spiritual book, I th- I think it can apply to a lot of our lives and just our daily living, especially for artists and storytellers, which I assume is the people listening to this, but, you know, if there are some are that are, you know, storytellers and artists, I'm not saying that this will be disregarded for you. I still think you can find value in this, just different than what I have found. In the use of words, there are three things we can do. We can use spontaneous prayer, the kind of prayer that gushes out of our own souls. We can use short vocal prayers, which are very short, extremely intense in their content and wide so that they can contain as many meanings as possible. And we can use what one calls at times, in a rather unpleasant way, ready-made prayers, which range from the flattest productions of people who are trying to invent prayers for all occasions, to the expression of the saints' deepest experience expressed in the prayers that they did not invent, but but which the Holy Spirit coined within their lives and within their hearts. I'd like to say something about each of these categories. Spontaneous prayer is possible in two situations either at moments when we have become vividly aware of God, when this awareness calls out of us a response of worship, of joy, all the forms of response which we are capable of giving, being ourselves and facing the living God, or when we become aware suddenly of the, of the deathly danger in which we are, we are when, we want, when we come to God, moments when we suddenly shout out from the depths of despair and dereliction, and also from the sense that there is no hope of salvation for us unless God saves us. The... These two situations are the two extreme poles, the vision of ourselves in the desperate situation in which we are godless, lonely, longing, and yet incapable of breaking through, or the marvel of suddenly finding ourselves face to face with God when we can pray spontaneously and it doesn't matter much what words we can use. We can go on repeating my joy, my joy. We can say words because the words do not matter. The words are merely a way of sustaining a mood of speaking foolishly, madly of our love or of our despair. You remember the passage in the Gospel concerning the transfiguration in which Peter says to Christ, Shall we make three tents for you, for Moses and for Elijah? The Gospel says he was speaking nonsense because he was out of himself. He was faced with something so overwhelming that he said whatever came to his mind, into, whatever came into his mind. He blundered out something that expressed his feelings. Now, if we imagine that we can sustain spontaneous prayer throughout our life, we are in a childish delusion. Spontaneous prayer must gush out of our souls. We cannot simply turn on a tap and get it out. It is not there for us to draw from to use at any moment. It either comes from the depths of our soul from either wonder or distress. But it does not come from the middle situation in which we are neither overwhelmed by the divine presence nor overwhelmed by a sense of who we are and the position in which we are. So that at those moments, to try to use a spontaneous prayer is a completely illusory exercise. There are whole periods when you are neither at the bottom of the sea nor at the top of the peak, when you have got to do something about praying, and that is the period where you, when you cannot pray from spontaneity, but you can pray from conviction. This is very important because many people who began a life of prayer think that unless they feel very strongly about the words and phrases they use, they are not being sincere. This is not true. One can at times be perfectly sincere in the lucidity of one's mind, and the straightness of one's will, although at a given moment these words, or it can be gestures, 
do not express what I feel now. The example that comes to me is this. When you live in your family and you work out of and you work out of doors and are doing a heavy kind of work, you may come back physically worn out. If at that moment your mother, your sister, your father, whoever else said, do you love me? You would say, I do. If the other person goes on investigating, do you really love me at this moment? What you could, what you could honestly have said is, no, I feel nothing but my aching back and worn out body. But you're perfectly right in saying I love you because you know that underneath all the exhaustion, there's a live, there's a live current of love. And when Christ says those who love me will keep my commandment, he does not say that if you love me, you'll go from one emotion to another, one state of rapture into another, one theological vision to another. He just says, if you believe my words and live up to what you have received and live up, means always live a little bit above one's means, as it were, to do more than you could have done spontaneously. So there is a need for some sort of prayer which is not spontaneous, but which is truly rooted in conviction. To find this, you can draw from a great many of the existing prayers. We already have a rich panoply of prayers which you were wrought in the throes of faith by the Holy Spirit. For example, we have psalms. We have so many short and long prayers and the liturgical wealth of all the churches from which we can draw. What matters is that you should learn and know enough of such prayers so that at the right moment you are able to find the right prayers. It is a question of learning by heart enough meaningful passages from the, from the psalms or from the prayers of the saints. Each of us is sensitive to certain particular passages. Mark these passages that go deep into your heart, that move you deeply, that make sense, that express something which is already within your experience, either of sin or of bliss in God, or of struggle. Learn those passages, because one day, when you are so completely low, so profoundly desperate, that you cannot call out of your soul any spontaneous expression, any spontaneous wording, and will discover that these words come up and offer themselves to you as a gift of God, as a gift of the church, as a gift of holiness, helping our simple lack of strength. And then you really need the prayers you have learned and made a part of yourself. In the Orthodox Church, we have morning and evening prayers, which are, on the whole, longer than the ones commonly used in the West. It should take about half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening to read these prayers. A person will try to learn them by heart so that at other moments he or she can draw from them. But it is not enough just to learn prayers by heart. A prayer makes sense only if it is lived. Unless they are lived, unless life and prayer become completely interwoven, prayers become a sort of polite madrigal which you offer to God at moments when you are giving time to Him. If in your morning prayers you have said a phrase, you must live up to this phrase in the course of the day. And I think that apart from learning as many meaningful passages as you can, you must make a rule that when you have discovered one phrase which makes sense to you in the reading of the Gospel, in the reading of the New or Old Testament, in general, in praying with words from the liturgy, you must try to apply it in the course of the day ruthlessly, for as long as you can. You may imagine that you are, the cap you are capable of taking up a phrase like this and living it throughout the course of a whole day, but it, is extreme, but it is extremely difficult. If you can keep to one sentence of one prayer for an hour without breaking the rule, you will be lucky. But do it. Say, I've read the prayer. My heart is ready, O oh Lord, my heart is ready. For half an hour I'll make sure that my heart is open to God and ready to obey His will. 
half an hour, not more. Be, then give yourself a respite and turn to something else because if you try to keep to one sentence which is absolute and difficult, in the end you'll simply say to yourself can't do it anymore and you will end up doing nothing. But if you say I have three or four or five sentences of slogans for the day, and I will try to apply this from the moment I've read it until 10 o'clock in the morning, then I'll move to the next one, then to the next one. You'll see that gradually all the words of prayer, all the thoughts and feelings the saints express in their prayers come alive to you. They begin to go deep into your will and to mold your will in your body because it is with your body that you have to apply commandments. That was the part of the book. Uh, it's called Beginning to Pray by Anthony Bloom. And that book, seriously, that is my second favorite book. If you haven't read it, that is like a brilliant book. And the only reason, I think the only reason I chose to read it versus just versus just speaking about it, the words, the tone, and the choice of words, and how the all, it, it really is a great book. And so uh, I seriously recommend you read it. It's really a great book. And it's it's really when it says beginning to pray trust me there's it's not i mean we're all beginners and so that's and so that is what it was and um i want to say something before like i try to uh, say how this like has affected my thinking and all that uh, i want to say that i'm not in any way advertising like a sort of uh that is your like personal life i'm not here to like call you or anything it's i i don't do that like in general and I'm not like trying to push forth anything, and especially with uh, I think interpretation, especially spiritual interpretation, uh, there is like a lot of stuff that can get really murky, and so I like I really don't want to like teach anything wrong, or I'm really really trying to bring this away from spiritual interpretation because that is all this is all very personal, like in terms of just your daily life, and this is all murky in terms of what you interpret. So avoid interpretation. Me, what I'm trying to do is specifically just the application. For example. Uh, when it talks about spontaneous prayer, the one thing that I've related to in that is writing. For example, when you have these bliss moments of joy or these deep moments of, you know, you just cry out in sadness. Um, uh, in terms of like writing, I think artists reflect on those situations. And so as we for reflect on those situations, um, in those moments of bliss and joy or depth, these depth moments of sadness, um, I think sometimes we write, and that, I think, is what it means when it gushes out of our soul. I think that's something I've related to, and and in terms of, like, the other prayers, the, the things, like, in terms of knowing prayers by heart, I feel that loosely connected to just, like, the daily practice of writing. You know, these things that you write right now, they may seem useless, but... Actually, the things that you write may be reflective of what you're feeling, but you just don't know it, or they just, they might be useful one day, not saying that they have, I, none of the, like, all of this writing has nothing in comparison with prayers, I'm not trying to compare anything, I just think this book is not just a great book for prayer, but it's also a great book just in general, and I want, I figured I'd share it, and so when it's stuff like doesn't gush out of your souls, the point is, for me in art, I think, and, and in writing and whatnot, it's, the point is to just, it's not to just stop and wait for that moment of inspiration. Um, I think the moment is to continue in that daily practice and to continue to just build up and practice. And I don't want to speak on where inspiration comes from because I'm still really forming that definition, especially just based on that, uh, that book, because that book is really amazing. But 
and I really want to avoid like any preaching, any like spiritual interpretation, all of that. This is just really application. But when it doesn't gush out of your souls, um, it's amazing of just trying to not just build up a collection, but um, learn from others, read from others. Not that that uh, learn from others and read from others and just see the monumental impact of what that has on you and how um, it affects you. And that's why it's important, you know, to be aware and mindful of what you do. And that is something I'm telling myself. Really, all of this is me telling myself. I feel like all these words that we write in writing, they contribute to the essence of this thing. I've said this before, it's like the photograph. We each have our own different interpretation of the photograph. Or not necessarily, don't, we, we each have our own uh, perspective of the photograph, not an interpretation. And, for example, if I present to you the border of the photograph in writing, which is basically I'm presenting you words that are its own timeline, but also yet describe the essence or that photograph and the words are like the border, then you will see the photo in a different perspective that's communicated to you in a different perspective based on your experiences, your identity, and all these other things. And it really contributes to the essence or describes the essence of that moment in the same way uh, like when he says, it doesn't matter what you, you're saying, you can say my joy, my joy. I feel like it's the same way um, in writing. Like, it doesn't matter so much as the essence that is what matters. I think the essence of the moment is what you have to like take note always. And especially when it comes to like revising, I think as lo- if you destroy the essence, then like, unless you want to destroy the essence, and even then I'd just tell you to create a new project with a different essence. Let, I mean, maybe let the essence grow, but like, don't destroy the essence. Have that north star. Another thing, it was like the act of living um, up to a phrase and the idea of multiple phrases. For me, I feel that really connected with me in terms of just writing these all these ideas. Um, it's okay to jump from one idea to another. It doesn't have to be like this one constant improvement of the idea. I was really trying to relate this to writing, and since I only read it, like I wasn't trying to like summarize or say anything incorrectly.